course, we'll be in Hebrews 11 as we continue to just walk through uh, faithfully that, uh, that text, that scripture, that book of the Bible that the Lord's given us. Um, I wanted to do um, something as we get started. Um, you know, it's not only is it the dead, the dog days of summer right now, um, and, but it is in the middle of a global pandemic, and uh, our lives are just upside down, and things have not been any semblance of normal since March, and uh, it's crazy that we're basically just uh, two weeks away, I guess, from, um, from August, and it's just been the craziest year. Um, so during the middle of this, this whole thing, um, and that's, you know, life, life happens on top of all those things too, um, but in the middle of all this, it's easy to get disconnected, and it's maybe easy to lose some perspective on um, uh, what's kind of going on here at the church, because ministry has not stopped. In some ways, ministry's ratcheted up um, around here, and some of you have been a huge part of that. And, uh, but some of us have just, got, uh, just disconnected a little bit, and I want to encourage you um, to let you know I actually have like a whole piece of paper here with a list of things. I'm not going to do all of them, but in the next several weeks, I want to inform you maybe of some of the things that have gone on during this time and to encourage you because our church, your church, you uh, have been faithful to do ministry right now. So just for instance, um, one of the things we've done is that since this started, um, our church staff um, has taken lunch every week to n- numerous community groups, uh, friends in North Richmond, police departments, fire departments, Catholic charities, uh, nursing homes and their staffs, hospitals and their staffs, emergency services at Fort Bend County, Helping Hands, um, just to name some of them. Um, but we're just doing our best to minister on pe- to people who are ministering during this time, you know, and serving our community during this time. So that's one thing that we've done uh, during this time period. Another thing that we've done is we've ha- had this now years-long um, ongoing relationship with Carter's kids, and they're called Life's Purpose now. And uh, during this time, um, we've gone over and, and at least monthly we've provided um, a huge pizza party for them, kind of a distance, but we provide this huge pizza party. And then one of our church's life groups kind of got uh, a wind of it. And this was awesome. I don't know if you all were aware of this, but one of our church uh, life groups did a bake sale um, during this whole thing. And they paid for, from that bake sale, um, they paid for a pizza party with one a huge inflatable slide, desserts, and a snow cone machine. Um, they, they funded all of that themselves um, during this time for life's purpose. And I thought that was really cool um, that they, uh, they did all that stuff. Um, so those are just two fantastic examples of ways that people in our church are ministering. Our church has been able to minister some of it because you've been faithful to give during this time. And that ministry continues. I do want to put this bug in your ear um, with life's purpose I think they've decided to go ahead and homeschool, which if you can imagine homeschooling 37 or 35 teenage boys, you know, and so they're going to bite that off. I think it's going to be easier, better for them. And so we're going to come alongside them um, during their homeschool time. And one of the things we'll definitely do is be providing school supplies for them. So kind of put that on your radar. Um, You'll be hearing more about that in the next couple of weeks as we help them get ready for school um, over at Life's Purpose. So I just want to encourage you, man, that, that um, TSF is doing ministry and doing it really, really well during a crazy time. Um, so you're a huge part of that. Um, so thank you, and thank you to all who are serving during this time in many, many different ways. Um, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 11. 
Um, we've been faithfully walking through Hebrews um, here over the last several weeks. We've had some great guest speakers from our church um, who have uh, come and, and uh, talked to us about some of these first examples of faith that we get here uh, at the beginning of, of Hebrews 11. And uh, today, today we kind of get this a summary statement. So uh, the author, Paul, he's, he's making this point about faith, which we're going to talk about today. And he's using these Old Testament examples. To you and I, they may sound a little strange or a little foggy in the distant past. Oh yeah, I kind of remember Enoch did something. But if you're a Jewish person, he's writing to Jewish Christians. This is all very like pop culture for them, you know? And so they would totally know all these people and all these stories. Um, and so we've been uh, having um, our, our speakers kind of walk through um, each of these people. And then today... Uh, we'll be in verse 13, I think verses 13 through 16. And it's at this point that Paul just stops with all of the examples and he gives a little editorial summary statement. He's like, okay, if you've forgotten what I'm talking about, here's what I'm talking about. And he summarizes like their faith journey uh, from some of these Old Testament uh, people and characters. And he talks about our faith journey. What does it look like? to walk with God in this broken world. What does that faith look like? What does that trust of God look like? And so he kind of summarizes, and I'm not exaggerating, about 5,000 years of faith history in four verses um, as, as he uh, writes these verses that we'll look at today. Um, so what we're going to see, and faith and faithfulness are going to be the themes that we see throughout the day today. Faith and faithfulness. Um, I know that, that you guys, if you're online, you can look at our um, uh, on the website, and you can find our sermon notes. And I think that the, the website address is there, and you can go in there and click on, and the, web, the, uh, the sermon notes are there just for you to follow along um, and maybe help you remember some things even after today. I would encourage you to take those sermon notes and maybe even have a family discussion. It'll be about lunchtime when we're done or maybe a late brunch when we're done, and uh, you guys can have a family discussion about what we talked about today. So um, I want to encourage you to take advantage of those. So faith, uh, we're going to see that these people, these just these initial five or six examples that we get um, show us that faith in God is what's behind everything. When, when everything else falls away, when everything else is gone, there is faith. And faith drives everything. And we're going to see that in this summary statement that we have today. I know Pastor Jared um, talked about this several weeks ago, five or six weeks ago. And he talked about Tony Evans, and he says, Tony Evans defines faith like this. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth, which I think is a phenomenal way to understand faith. Faith is living like God is telling the truth. It's walking and doing based on God telling the truth. It's not feeling like God is telling the truth or believing that God is telling the truth. It's living our lives in such a way as to prove that God is telling the truth to us in his word. That is a fantastic definition of faith, and it's really what we're going to drive into today is that kind of tangible expression um, of faith and faithfulness. Um, I do want to start out with a little word of caution, a word of warning about these people that we see in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I want you to be careful about how you look at them and how you interpret these stories. Um, often, matter of fact, I can remember one of the first Bibles I owned. It's probably in my office. Um, 
the little heading, you get little headings on your chapters, and the heading for this chapter was the Hall of Faith. And we've heard it called that before, that these are like these paragons of faith, almost these like idols of faith. Um, and I want to caution you, caution us, in, in how we read these stories and how we read uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and understand this. What we are not called to do, okay, is to look at these people, to study these people, and to be just like these people. These people are examples. Paul's using them as examples of people who are all pointing to something else. If you think the point of Hebrews 11 is to make you study Enoch, you've missed the point. If you think the point of, of Hebrews 11 is to look at Abraham and reread those 12 chapters from, uh, from Genesis and to study his life and to be just like him, you've missed the point. Later on, these people are going to be called martyria, witnesses. They are witnessing to us about something else. They are pointing who are, basically what, what, the, what Hebrews, Paul wants us to do is to say, these people showed faith, who were they, they faithing in? Who are they trusting in? And that's what we're called to mimic. Not them and the specific things that they did, so much as they are looking at something and having faith in it. Let's have faith in that same thing, right? Second thing I would say is, is that their feeble faith is what's being called out to us. Not their perfect faith. And I know we've spent some time looking at these people, really in this entire list, all the way through the end of, of uh, Hebrews 11. The only person who we don't get any dirt on is Enoch. Everybody else is messed up bad, bad, right? And so as we read through this text, I want you to understand and remember that it's their feeble faith that's being called out to us, not their perfect faith. It's like any faith at all that matures over time, a small faith that perseveres through failures and weaknesses and stumbling and failing, that's who these people are. And it's like the author of Hebrews is saying, Paul is saying, listen, if they can have faith, if these truly faulty, messed up people could hear a word from God and believe and do their best to hold on to him through life's pains and struggles, so can you. That's the message of Hebrews 11. So let's not get our focus on these people so much as what they're being faithful to, right? And what their faith points us toward. And it's this idea of having a small amount of faith that just holds on, that grips on and doesn't let go no matter what. So let's have that in our heads as we do this. We'll be in um, Hebrews 11, uh, verses 13 to 16. Let's just read those together. All these died in faith. So all these people that we see in the first 12 verses, all these people died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. Some of your versions are going to say they're seeking a homeland of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I love that phrase. God is not ashamed to be their God, for he has prepared 
a city for them. These people are all looking forward. They're all looking forward, right? They are looking, one, first of all, especially when you think about Abraham, but really the promise that God has given his people since Abraham, and the Jews in particular, they're looking for a land that is their own. They're looking for a home that is their own. And though they've possessed that land for brief periods of time throughout history, they still, to this day, in some ways, are strangers in their own place. And they are still looking for a home, uh, a homeland, a place, a country that is their own. So they're looking forward to a, a land, physical place that God has promised them, but they're also looking forward to another land, to a land beyond this world, a land beyond Israel, if you want to think of it that way, or Canaan, uh, or the, the promised land in the Middle East. They're also looking to another land. Because you know what? What a disappointment. If all they had been doing was looking here, what an incredible disappointment that is. Like, can you imagine being a Jew? And I'm not being at all facetious. If you can imagine being a Jewish person, and here you are some 7,000 years after this promise has been given, and you're like, really, God? Where is this? Do you realize, guys, listen, if you go... Like, dig into the Old Testament, and you read what God said, and where he told them their land was going to be, they've never possessed the land that God promised them. Still, to this day. There are unfulfilled, doesn't mean that they're not going to be fulfilled, but as of this day, today, there are unfulfilled land promises that were given to his people 7,000 years ago. If all you're doing as a Jewish person or as a Christian, is looking here for all of God's fulfillments and his promises, you are going to be radically disappointed. If you think that God's promises about what he's going to do for you here is all there is, you're going to be radically disappointed. They are looking forward. Their faith is a forward-looking faith. That is the nature of Christian faith. We are looking forward. Some of God's promises and some of God's provisions are for here and now. And I'm not going to take that away. Uh, I'm not going to say that that's not true. I'm not going to say that God only promises things about later on, pie in the sky when we die kind of thing. There are truths to that. There are also things that God has promised for here and now. Absolutely, that's true. But what I will tell you is, is that even the things that God's promised us for here and now are always about eternity. They're never just about here and now. They are for eternity. They are always for our souls. They are always for our ultimate good. Now, a lot of times when God does this stuff, when he fulfills his promises, it comes out of left field. It comes in ways that you could never expect and from sources that you could never ever think that God was going to use. So I just want to take the people that he's talked about in, in Hebrews 11 and just sort of point that out to you. So you think about Abel. Abel, who was accepted by God, his sacrifice was accepted by God, he was lifted up to his highest point through death. He was most glorified, he was most praised by the fact that he stood and rested in this earth, on this earth, in his relationship with God through a, through a sacrifice that was accepted, nothing of his own. And the only way that that was truly appreciated and, and lauded was that he died and murdered. Who expects that? So when God says to you, and he does, that he will lift up his own, he will, but it may not be the way that you expect. It may come out of left field. 
but it's always ultimately for his glory and for your good. So you have Abel, you have Enoch, who is raptured. He is taken away. How many things did Enoch get to finish? Did he have a table he was building? You know, did he have a grandchild that he was trying to help raise and point to the Lord? How many things did Enoch not get to finish? And yet God said, man, you're done. You are, you are ready, man. I'm just going to bring you home right now. Unexpected, incredible ways. Noah in an ark that worked. If I'm Noah and I'm building an ark for 100 years, I'm like, this better work. You know what I mean? Like, when I get done with this thing, it had better float, right? And hold all of us in this giant boat that I'm about to build. God provided for him through this ark, through a boat that actually worked. Abraham and Sarah and the impossible birth of Isaac. God's promises, though they have components that are about this earth, they're never about just this earth. All of these things are for something in the future, pointing us to something else. So all these people looked for another country, another city that was beyond this world. How long does it take for us to turn our hearts toward that hope? How many of our prayers, how many of our deepest fears, how many of our our anxiety-producing moments are because we hope in here? We hope in this. And we don't see past it. And our ultimate hope and desire and joy in life is to have things now turn out the way that we want them to. How long does it take us to turn our hearts toward the eternal hope that God has for us, toward the promises that God has laid out for us that last for an eternity, to have our souls fulfilled by the things that God says are yours and mine through Jesus Christ forever? How long does it take our hearts to turn toward those things and away from the hopes of this world? I think part of what we have to experience and what we see in these first five people that are brought up, these five examples that we've been given, part of what we have to experience is how much needs to be stripped away so that we can stop trusting in it. How much of our stuff and people in this world have to kind of be taken away from us so that we quit trusting in it. And what a grace of God that he does that, y'all. It's a gracious God who says that can't fulfill you that can't provide for you, that'll never give you what you need. I need to take it away so that your trust is in me. It feels cruel on the front end and it feels mean, but there's a graciousness of God that does that to us. And he does it to these people to cause us to have a faith that is a forward-looking faith. How much suffering and disappointment and pain needs to be endured so that we stop being satisfied here and we look forward. And we put our faith in what's ahead and what's eternal instead of the things that are passing and fleeting. They had a promise, a promise from God, and they had a faith that looked forward. So faith in the here and the now, it shapes my present based on God's character and his unseen promises about the future. Faith shapes my life today, my daily choices, based on God's character and his unseen promises about the future. So I'm going to try to flush that out for us a little bit. I heard another guy say it this way, it's my tangible present based on God's intangible promises and work. Real faith makes sure that our today lines up with the guaranteed future that's been secured for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. In particular, God's finished work 
in Jesus to save us, perfect us, to make us capable of standing in the presence of God, to know God, to love God, and to live with him forever. Faith daily lines my life up with those realities, those promises that are true and have been secured for us in Jesus Christ. And, which is awesome, (laughs) I don't want to take anything away from it, they're incredible, and Christian, y'all do realize that our future hope, our forward-looking hope, God throws in our physical, mental, and emotional completion also. This is one of the things that's unique about Christian hope, is that we have all the components that make us human carry on through eternity, and God says, I'm going to provide perfectly for all those things forever. Faith lines our lives up as if that's true. Am I living today like that's true? How, this is what you've got to ask yourself the whole time we're together this morning and when we're done. How can I align my life today to live like what I can't see but what, what is promised is true? How can I line my life up so that even though I can't see it, it's been promised to me and I want my life to line up with that promise? So let me give an example. So we went on vacation over the break that the um, elders gave us, which was very kind of them. Um, and we've been planning this huge family vacation for at least a year, maybe, maybe a little longer than a year. And I say huge family vacation, 26 or 27 of us. Mindy, basically, Mindy's whole side of her family. And we've been planning this huge trip. Um, and, you know, 12 months ago, the world was a different place, right? And since then, uh, COVID came Riots came, unemployment came, there have been, there's been at least one baby born during that time. I think, I don't know, I'm confused, two other people are pregnant in the family, right? I mean, like, life changed, man. My, my mother-in-law had, a, had a heart attack issues and health issues that looked like she wasn't going to be able to go. I mean, 12 months of this, and it's like, there is no way this is actually going to happen, you know, as we try to, co- and then you try to coordinate 26 people's, you know, schedules over that time. And it looked like it was impossible. But you know what, man? No matter what, we were going. Promises had been made, right? We were going on this trip. They were not empty words. They were not empty promises. It was just guaranteed. So you know what we did? We all fought to make it happen. What did we do in October of 2019 to get ready for a trip in July, June of 2020? What did we do in January? What did we do in March? What did we do in May? You know what we did? We aligned our lives to this unseen but guaranteed promise that this family vacation was going to happen. That's faith. There were things that had been promised that became guaranteed, and everybody lined their lives up as if that was real before it happened. That's faith. This is the call of Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews. This is the call. He's beginning to wrap up his argument as we get into chapter 11. Actually, he begins to summarize the whole book. This is the call of Hebrews to remain in faith, to faithfully align your life today with the unseen promises of God that have been guaranteed and will come true. So all you're left with at the end of the book of Hebrews is this. Are you doing that? Because, listen, you're aligning your life with something. You're already doing it. 
what fears and losses and lies and half-truths and grievances and pains are you lining your life up to instead of God's promises and his completed work in Jesus Christ? Listen, this world is full of predictions about tomorrow. It's full of promises about tomorrow. Many people are going to make you promises because it's an election year, right? So we're going to have all kinds of people making us all kinds of crazy promises. What version of life, what version of the future are you conforming your life to today? That's faith. Do we get that? If faith is a concept that's kind of squishy and I don't understand what that is, I'm hoping this brings it down to brass tacks for you, that you begin to understand what this is. That belief in that thing is faith, and that alignment of your life with that as true is faithfulness. I believe that those promises are going to happen, and I will line my life up as if they're going to come true. That's faithfulness, and faith is the belief that they're going to happen. Does that all make sense, guys? And, faith, and Hebrews is calling us to both those things, to believe in the promises of God and to line our lives up with them as if they're actually true, what God has said in his word. So faith is calling us to shape our lives around these truths from the Lord. I want to read verses 15 and 16 again. He says, Indeed, if these people had been thinking of a country from which they had went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. So he's like, if, they're, if they left home, but they were really pining for home the whole time, they would have an opportunity to go back. If that's where their desire was, but he says, but their desire was for another place. So their hearts had been changed so that they didn't want to go back anymore. So they would have had an opportunity to. But he says, but as it is, they desire a better country. Their hearts had been changed. Their desires had been changed. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I think we see a little bit of a pattern so you have all these people that he talks about, and he's going to talk about more, and we're going to walk through those next several weeks. But you see a pattern or commonalities begin to pop up with all these people. And that's what he wants us to really pay some attention to. He's drawing our attention to the things that, that we see in them that are patterns that we can pattern our lives after to some degree. Here they are. I'm going to give you like one, two, three, four words that I think might help us. They desired something else, so their desires were changed. They welcomed the promises of God. They received the promises of God, right? They weren't grudging God. They weren't telling God, okay, that's great, but give me this. Hey, home was better. Let me go back there. They welcomed the promises of God. God, your ways are better. Your plans are better than mine. They welcomed them. They confessed them. Basically, not just with their mouths, but with their actions. They actually confessed God's ways better. His promises are better. His plans are better. His provisions are better. They confessed them, and then they were seeking a homeland. Again, their actions, so many action verbs here, right? They were seeking a homeland. Heart, thinking, belief, words, action, those things equal faith and faithfulness. What is faith? It's not just belief. By the way, there's a whole book of the Bible written about this called James, which we've already walked through before. It's not just believing something sincerely. It's all these things. Your heart is lined up. Your belief is lined up. Your thinking patterns are lined up. Your words are lined up and your actions are lined up. That's faith and faithfulness. And it's all based on a relationship with God. I love that phrase, God is not ashamed to be their God. What an amazing, what an amazing phrase. 
You know, and I've heard this said before, and it's a little bit cheesy, you know, now we have our phones and stuff, and if you want to see my kids, I'm like, here they are, you know. But back in the day, you'd have a refrigerator, and you'd have magnets, and you'd have pictures of people on your refrigerator, or you'd have them in your office, and I've got them in my office. My family pictures are, in, you know, in my office on the walls and on the tables and stuff in there. I'm not ashamed to call my family my family. I'm proud of them. They're, they can be knuckleheads, and I can be a knucklehead. But I'm not ashamed to be their dad or to be their husband. God is not ashamed to be our God. Now, who are these people that he's not ashamed of? That's, that's the question we should be asking, right? Okay, well, if that's possible, if God can be proud to be my God, what kind of person is God proud of? I don't think there's any problem with asking that question. You should ask that question. Is God ashamed to be your God? What do we even do with that idea that the opposite of that statement might be true? That God could be ashamed to be our God? Well, I think we take it at face value. I think you let the text say what it says. And we want to expand it out to the whole chapter, which is this. One, lacking faith displeases God even when you do good things. That's at the beginning of the chapter. He says it that clearly. What does he say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He says it very clearly. Lacking faith displeases God even though you are trying to do good things. Secondly, God can be ashamed to be your God. Now, positively, let's flip it around. First of all, faith demands actions that line up our lives with God's promises, his work, and his character, and our faith-based lives please him. Secondly, God can be proud to be your God. Now, give me some examples, Pastor Joe, of what that looks like. David sins horribly, has an affair, kill, murders a man, right? Steals his wife. Confesses that. After that, it's after that. Psalm 51, what does God say? David, you're a, you're a man after my own heart. I'm not ashamed to be your God. Job as much as Job probably didn't want God to be proud of him, God was. And he said, hey, Satan, look at my guy Job. He's pretty good. God's proud of Job. He says to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He says to us that it's possible to get to heaven and for God to do what? To look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in and receive your reward. Stephen, he's being stoned. He's being killed in, in, in Acts. And what does he do? He looks up and he sees God in his kindness to Stephen and his grace to Stephen appeal, appears to him. God himself with Jesus at the right hand of God. And he sees the glorified Christ in heaven as he's about to go meet him in his death. Paul, at the end of his life, his last letter, what does he say? I am poured out like a drink offering. I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. It is possible to be a person, to be a believer whom God says, I'm proud to be your God. I'm proud to be your God. There's a pattern of faith that we can follow. Our heart, our thinking, our belief, our words, our actions that lead us to that kind of relationship with God probably flow out of that relationship. It's probably a lot more dynamic than that. I said a second ago, their desires have been changed. Our desires have to be changed for God's ways. The only way this happens is that I got to want it. I have to want it. 
that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I can tell you all day long what faith looks like, being faithful, um, having your um, eyes set on a different country, faith forward to a different place, not in this world. But until you want it, you won't go for it. You won't stick to it. So I want to I challenge us with something this morning. I think a lot of times when we struggle with faith, we present it to ourselves and we present it to God as if we didn't really want to do that. Oh, I didn't really mean that. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Well, no, I think the point is that you did. This is the, this is the problem. The problem is, is that we wander from faith. We wander from the things that we should be doing and the person that we should be wanting to be, the, the, the finished work of Jesus on the cross and all that he has for us because we want something else. We give in to doubts and we live faithfully, faithlessly because it's what we desire. And you're like, well, that's pretty hard, Pastor Joe. Read Psalm 53, read Romans chapter 1. We act like God's not there. We act like God's not true. We act like God's not faithful only after we have first given ourselves and our hearts over to some other desire and love, and that causes us to disbelieve God. This is also in the book of James. We disbelieve in our thinking. We disbelieve in our systems. And we, then we find intellectual reasons to not trust in God. It says their desires were changed. They earnestly sought the Lord. They longed for another world. They longed to be with God. The encouragement here in the book of Hebrews, he's like, listen, I know it's hard and I know life is difficult. And I know just like these first five people we've looked at, life doesn't go the way we want it to. And it's easy to slip. It's easy to slide. But keep on. Keep going in your faith. Keep going in your trust. Keep being faithful. God really has promised a future that includes the judgment of this world, the destruction of everything that you place your hope in here. God has promised us that that's what's going to happen in the future. And he has promised us that he will save everyone who trusts in him. So, Christian, is your daily life lining up with the promises of God about salvation? Maybe you're watching this right now and you don't know what I'm talking about. This is the first thing you have to do. You have to come to God for salvation. He has promised us forgiveness of sins and an eternity with God and freedom uh, uh, for eternity from the things that would keep us from God. He's promised us all those things, and you have to come to him first through that. But then we have to stay as close to that as we can after we come to him. Faithfulness that comes after we place our initial trust in the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. A little bit more about these people. Maybe you haven't really thought about them. I think most of the time we tend to look at, again, chapter 11, and we're like, oh, these people are amazing, and I'll never be like them, and I can never have faith like these people. Have you ever thought about the trials and the obstacles that they faced when they were walking with God? Because again, I think we read scripture and we're like, oh, it would have been really cool to be Moses, man. You got to go to a mountaintop and see God and your face glowed. and That was awesome. I wish we could do that now. You know? And we tend to think that they didn't struggle with things or that they somehow you know, walked around on a cloud with a halo on their head because they had these very unique experiences with God. And the fact of the matter is, Moses had to come back down the mountain and everybody had been having horrible, hor doing horrible things and worshiping a golden calf. And thousands of people died that day. I wouldn't want to be in Moses' shoes. 
But a lot of times we think that these people, because they had some faith and they walked with God, that everything was just peachy keen. Listen, one of them had a murderous brother. One of them walked through a time of chaos and distrust and unbelief. One of them was alive in a time that was so bad. We think it's bad now. It was so bad, God destroys everything and starts over. One of them was in a pagan culture, and they had never heard before about the one true good God. A famine, childlessness, homelessness, family squabbles. That's just the first five people that are brought up in this text. This is who we are reading about. These are the lives that these people were living while God was saying, be faithful. Trust me. Hear my promises. Receive them. Line your lives up. This is God's design for us, and it's his purpose for us while we're on this planet. This might be, honestly, the most important thing I say today. And so you can turn it off after this. No, don't do that. But I do think it might be the most important thing I'll say today. This is God's design and his purpose for you and me on this planet. To actively believe the gospel and to trust daily in God. To believe in the gospel, the past and the present and the future work of Jesus. And then display that in the daily activity and plans of our lives. This is the point of why God leaves us here to walk through painful things. Like these people, we have to get to a point where our desires are turned and we would happily follow God at any cost. God, you want me to build a big boat? Okay, because your promises are true. Because you are true. We choose to remain different from everybody else and we don't let our hearts and our minds get sucked into the vortex of thinking and believing and speaking and treating each other the way that the world treats each other and believes and speaks and thinks. We're different than everyone. We walk into strange places as strangers and we fall and we trip and we fail, but we keep walking with God. We keep trusting that God is holding us tight no matter what and we keep our eyes on Jesus. That is faith and faithfulness and that's the call that he has placed on these people and that's the call that he's placed on us. We mirror them in some ways and that we walk in the same kind of broken world and God has called us out with his promises in our hearts to live differently, to be different, to love differently. Our calls look like the call that they have on their lives to walk with faith. Like them, we're supposed to shape our lives and mold our daily lives in accordance with God's unseen promises. So just to help you understand what I'm talking about here, guys, listen, I have never seen Jesus. My eyes have not beheld the person of the resurrected Christ. And I am called to believe in him and to trust in him and to really build my life around the idea that he has made a way for me to stand before a holy God and have him call me son one day. But I've never seen him. I've never seen heaven. I've never seen the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the crystal sea. I can't see how God's going to provide for me and my family and our church family today and tomorrow. I haven't seen those things. I've seen some stuff in the past, but I haven't seen what he's going to do. Here's how good God is during this time, right? He is so good and kind 
And I'm going to use the word condescending to us. He comes down to us. So what does he do for these Old Testament people? Listen, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you a word. Can't see that. God's like, I know, and you're tangible people, creatures. I made you that way. So you know what I'm going to do? Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a kid so that you'll know my promise about offspring that number as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the sands are on the seashore, you can hold on to Isaac knowing that my promises are true. So I'll give you something physical to see so you'll know my big promises are going to come true too. He gives us a boat. I'm going to save you. God, do you realize that? God could have put him like in a hyperbaric chamber or something. You know what I mean? Or he could have just floated him above the water for 40 days. I don't know. There's a million ways God could have done it. But God's like, no, I'm going to give you a boat. A huge boat, Noah. My promises are true and I'm going to rescue you, but I'm going to give you a boat so you'll see that my promises are going to be true. God's so good, isn't he? He gives us an ark, and by that I don't mean the boat, I mean a box where his presence would come and dwell inside of a tent and then inside of a temple so that we could see something that represented the promises of God to save his people. He gives us the law. He promises to make us righteous and whole and right. And then he gives us the law to show us what that righteousness and holiness is going to look like someday. He gives us a temple and a sacrificial system to show us what it takes to take away our sins. I'm going to do this one day for you. I'm going to take away your sins one day. But man, in the meantime, I'm going to show you what that looks like. And it's ugly and it's bloody. Believe me, trust me, I'm going to do this. God, in his kindness and in his patience, he doesn't just give us those things. He sends his son in time and space to die on a cross and to come back from the dead in real time and in real space so that we can have something to see and handle and hear so we can trust in his unseen promises. Do you realize that John says this? The book of John says this. The word of God came right? He was with God before time, then he was here on the glory of God came and we didn't see his glory. The light of God came and the darkness didn't behold the light. And it says we handled him. We handled the promises of God because there are so many unseen promises of God that we have to hold on to. And God's like, I get it. I know you need something to see. I'm going to send my son. Don't doubt me. The promises that I have for you are true. Isn't he good? I mean, isn't just God good? That he doesn't just give us a word and then he walks off? He gives us all these tangible things that we can go, he did that and he did that and he did that. He's going to do that too. He's worthy, y'all. He's worthy of our lives. This is the point. It's all over Hebrews chapter 11. That we would order our lives to really, truly seek God. That we would have works where we act on our faith. That we would be contrary to culture. And it's going to cost us something. Maybe great costs. And we would carry out the work of God in our era of history. Isn't that awesome? You look back at Enoch and Noah and and Moses and Abraham and Sarah. And all of them did the work of God for the time that he had them here. That's faith and faithfulness. That we would be those people. That we would carry out the work of God that he has for us in our era of history. We would line up our lives to his word. We're called to be like these people. They weren't trusting in a system or religious ritual or getting cool stuff or getting land. 
for a promise that we all haven't seen yet. I'm not going to read it, but look at verse 39. See what God says about the promise. And it says, they're looking to that promise, and we're looking to that promise. And together, we're going to get there. We walk, we live daily in trust of the Lord. We believe that his promises for uh, for today and eternity are true. We make sure our desires line up with him and our actions line up with him, with who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus. And you're like, okay, well, that's awesome. Give me something else, okay? Ready? Philippians 1, 6. We are confident that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Do you feel like God's left you? Do you feel like you're just going through hard things for no reason? There's a promise that God's given you. We are confident. We're going to line our lives up as if God is going to complete the work that he's begun in us, no matter what circumstances say. That's a promise from God. Philippians 4.19, God meets every need for you according to the riches in Jesus Christ. I'm going to line my life up. I'm going to live my daily life like God's going to take care of my needs. See, there's a physical aspect to that, and there's an eternal aspect to that. I'm not going to live like it's only for today. It's for eternity. But I'm going to live like it's for today. That God will provide your every need according to the riches that are in Jesus Christ. That's a promise from God. Line your life up behind that. Romans 8.32. If he didn't spare his son, will he not give graciously everything that we need? That's a promise from God. Do you feel like God's a curmudgeon and he's really Ebenezer Scrooge? And he's just squeezing out pennies when you ask for stuff. He didn't spare his son to get to know you. And if he didn't spare his son, he will graciously give you everything you need as you need it. Line your life up like these promises are true. So how can you do that this week? That's the challenge. How can you line your life up like that this week? You can talk about faith all you want to. How is your life lining up with God's character and his promises? When you do that and you live with faith, believing, and then you live with faithfulness, you line your life up like it's true, God says, I'm not ashamed to be your God. That that would be true of us this week. Let's pray, God, thank you for these people in the Old Testament, these faulty people, these uh, failing people who struggled with life and struggled with uh, pain and losses and disappointments, and yet they just had this little thread of faith, and they lined up their lives with these promises, unseen things that you'd given them. Father, I pray that as that's true, we don't have these vague things from the Old Testament. We have Jesus Christ, everything he's done for us on the cross, your faithfulness in our lives, and I pray, God, that we would line our beliefs up with that and our daily Uh, works and actions up with that like God really is telling us the truth and I want my daily life to reflect that God God be proud of us and let us live like children who aren't afraid we're not afraid of you God but we want to please dad we want dad to be proud of us put our picture on the refrigerator and go look at this guy look at this girl so make us people of faith Lord little faith big faith whatever just that we'd be faithful people lining up our lives daily, small choices, like your word is true and your promises are true. In your name we pray, amen. Man, great to have you today, and uh, thanks for giving us this time. We'll be back next week. We are making plans to be back together. It's going to be limited, and we're going to have to do some other changes, but 
sooner rather than later. So um, kind of stay tuned for that. Um, but God bless you guys. Uh, we have VBS. Oh, I have some announcements I'm supposed to do. We have VBS um, that's coming up, and you can sign up for that. We'll get you everything. There's boxes that we've put together. We will provide everything you need. Just write us, info at TSF. We'll get that to you. Uh, August 5th, we're looking at getting Sanctus going back again on Wednesdays. Uh, make sure you're giving faithfully so ministry can continue. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We will see you hopefully next Sunday.